Welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Johan. Together we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Wanting to escape in a yacht, a la Daniel Craig at the end of Casino Royale, is a feeling I suspect many of us can relate to right now. Zoe Freeman decided to do just that. She spent her grandfather's inheritance on a second-hand vintage two-masted steel schooner. And with husband and four-year-old daughter in accompaniment, Zoe and fam proceeded to embark on a 10-month, 4,500 nautical mile schooner quest up the east coast of Australia. Zoe made the conscious decision to invest in an adventure that took her and her family island hopping through the Whit Sundays, through to navigating semi-submerged shipping containers in the night. A little bit like Robert Redford in the movie All Is Lost, which to this day has pretty much scared me off night travel on a boat. As we find out, the journey ends up being an unexpected catalyst uh, through which Zoe discovers an inner strength, which has continued to resonate throughout her life long after the boat has been put back on the market. A quick pre-word just before we jump into it, this content was recorded pre-COVID-19, so hence the lack of social distancing and face masks. Without further ado, this is the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Drohan, and featuring my guest, Zoe Freeman. Thank you for coming along today. Not at all. And uh, being part of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. Um, I'll just maybe give you a bit of a, a background on how we know each other and mm-hmm. please feel free to fill in the blanks because it's been a while since yeah. we, we first met. Um, so Zoe Freeman, um, Zoe and I are kind of are both involved in professional, I guess, professional marketing mm-hmm. services. Um, Zoe kind of recently, probably only a couple of months ago, finished up uh, going on a fairly significant journey around living on a boat with her husband and daughter. Yeah. Um, so that was, how long was that journey? Sorry. 10 months. Yeah. A 10 month trip on a boat basically, which, you know, <laughs> I, I find super interesting and, and just amazing. And the mind boggles how you did it, uh, with your daughter on board as well. Yes. Well, which is just just, we'll get, we can get to that. Yeah, which I'm very <laughs> interested to hear how that happened. But the, the spirit of adventure, and at the same time, I was also on a 13-month kind of partial sabbatical traveling to Europe and Southeast Asia. So we've kind of, yep. in this funny way, we've always flown around in similar circles That's and true. done similar things, and now well, we're both back in Melbourne. Well, you gave me some work when I was on maternity leave. I yes. just did some contracting to you, and then I later flicked you to a client of mine. So we sort of, yeah... That's we kind yeah. of, we've always kept in touch through a little bit of business here, a little bit of business couple there. Couple coffees in Prague. Yeah, yeah, a little, <laughs> little bit of motivational like <laughs> coffee time inspiration. Yep, for sure. Uh, which you you know, especially I think in marketing, you need those people and those times because it can become a slog and it is very mentally challenging in a lot of ways. Uh, and like anything, I think you need to build up your. Uh, your inspiration well wherever possible because it can be a, just a goddamn grind yeah, sometimes. Tricky yeah. project, tricky clients. You can end up hating the world if you're not really, really careful. And I think so. you need to seek your support outside of the agencies or the businesses you're in because, yeah, you need that disinterested kind of view. You know, yes. like as, as great as your boss might be or the people around you, they've still got a, a, an interest in whether you're doing well or not and 
Yeah, yes. I think there's something to be said for having a friend you can rant with. <laughs> that's what we've just done off camera. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we've just kind of ranting. And yeah, that, that the value of perspective, I guess, is is so important. And even though it's perspective in the, only so much perspective because we're both in the same industry or we have been, but yeah, not being in the same workplace per se is yeah. a massive benefit. Absolutely. But still understanding the context and the and the depths of despair that can you can go into with a difficult marketing project or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Zoe kind of, I had already begun my journey in like September 2017, early September 2017, and I, I th I'm not sure when you mentioned that you would plan to go on this uh, boat spirit quest, as I'm going to call it, because <laughs> I called my trip a spirit quest, uh, the, the phrase coined by my best friend Anthony Jones, it was like, Mike, you're going on a spirit quest. So... Uh, yeah, I remember Joey, uh, Zoe had mentioned that. And then next thing I knew, she was posting things about being on this journey. And I was blown away. You know, you were going here and there. Um, so maybe let's start with the background mm -hmm. and how, the, how this idea, this boat spirit quest, went from an idea or even came about as an idea to actually you being on a boat and leaving. Sure. Well, my husband and I are both sailors. We met sailing. And at first, until really just a couple of years before our daughter was born, we weren't going to have kids. We were going to do this sort of stuff. We were going to sail the med and sail the world and do all the go to regattas. And a lot of our overseas holidays have been around Tim being, you know, you know playing sailing in, as an Australian team in an international regatta in Buenos Aires. So, and, you know, while I came to sailing late and he's sailed a lot longer than me, for me, like, it's just, it's just our thing. So, right. um, shared passion. Yeah. Joy of being on the open water. All that and then stuff. my biological clock made a fool of me <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted a baby instead. Yep. And Tim went along with that cause that's who he is. And, uh, and we went, oh, well, we'll just have to do it when we retire or later, you know. And um, then it sort of got, some stars started aligning. I was in a really stressful job, um, got uh, started to get a bit unwell from that. Mm -hmm. um, the My lovely grandfather, who just passed away, gave, um, divvied up a bit of inheritance early. So we got a little bit of a cash injection, which nice. helped a lot. With Always the welcome. Like not a lot, but enough to kind of go, well, we've got a house in Sydney, a house in Melbourne. We don't need like to reinvest that, put that, you know, so right. it was like, got well, a little bit of a stable base financially. <clears throat> Uh, unfortunately, you, you know, your grandfather passes away, which is always sad, but you get this little booster that you can actually do something with. Well, the, it was actually be before he died that he gave right. us this money, so we actually oh, well, um, that's, that's cool. so we could actually were able to sail that. into where he lives in Sydney and oh. park the boat outside and go and row ashore and visit him twice, So, including just before he died. So oh, that wow, was, that's um, insane. Amazing. Yeah, so he was sort of like, the, and he was a big traveller too, so he was really into the trip, but... Um, so to backtrack, we sort of had a little bit of money. Um, my husband was happy to leave his work, even though he enjoyed it. And we, we, yeah, we just went, well, the fact that we've got Clara, we should just do it anyway. Because for us, it was like the caravanning around Australia trip. Well, that's what we thought, but the reality was is that it's not like caravanning at all. Ocean the, caravanning. It's not ocean caravanning because there's just so much more risk involved and, yes. and so much more safety, you know, and, yes. the, and yeah but that's how we kind of got to there so <coughs> then things moved pretty quickly we bought our we found our boat quite quickly 
Um, so you you had to go shopping for a new boat. You didn't have something absolutely. Suitable. Yeah, no, okay. it was um. So we, we looked at boats in Melbourne and Sydney and uh, Central Coast and we're looking online around Australia. Um, but in the end, this boat, our boat was in Yeringa, so it was close to Melbourne and we got it to the right price and it had, it was comfortable and safe. Um, it's a tank, it's steel, basically like a shipping <laughs> container that float, that with a mast um, or two masts because it's a schooner. Right. Is that, is that what... That's what a schooner is, a double-masted... Yeah, uh, where one mast is there, the front mast is short, longer than the, shorter than the half mast. Oh, okay. I've forgotten already. <laughs> the other one's a catch, but yeah. So a okay. really interesting kind of boat, not the not the sort of normal... And it's yellow. Most boats are white or blue. Like <laughs> so it stood that's out cool. in the wits on those. You could always spot it. <laughs> in a, in a tub. Ba- bunch of boats anchored you like there's our boat yeah good smart decision so yeah so it's it's like a 1970s caravan really in in a lot of ways in in its decor and its color scheme but it looks very comfy it was quite comfy yeah and quite big downstairs so you weren't ducking and hitting your head too much gotcha like some boats so we got a lot of boat for our dollar yeah Yeah. okay and if you don't mind me asking Part price to buy a boat, you can travel around it's the on the market right now. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I'll, I'll at the end of this. thousand dollars, you can have. I'm going to put a link, to, a link to the boat if it's still on in market. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. We um yeah, we're happy to sell it for what we paid for it. So we paid fifty two thousand. So we want to sell it, sell it for that, and we'll be really happy. Okay. So yeah, because cool. cool. we put a bit of money into it along the way as well. So yeah. So I noticed that basically the living quarters, and you've got all the the security and and the radio equipment and yep. all the bits you would need to to live on a vessel. Yep. Essentially. Absolutely. It was actually set up by the previous owners. They were intending to sail it internationally, so it's like got its passport it's kind of registered as an australian ship not a victorian ship um had the little australian flag ready to go for customs Uh, and things like that but cool not that we took it overseas (laughs) right right okay so so the boat's prepared it's ready to go what were what were friends and family saying at this point when you broke the news that you know we're gonna we're off and away i'm assuming tim has sailing mates who were like Sweet. Absolutely, yeah. Some people were really... No one really said, what are you doing? You're crazy. There was a little bit of parental reticence around <laughs> taking their grandbaby. Um, and how, how old was your daughter when you left for the trip? Four. Four. So okay. she turned five while we were away. Um, and that's why we wanted to get a... We wanted her to have a normal school experience, so we wanted to fit it in before she started school. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. But, yeah, so we got the... We got, went happened quite quickly by the time we bought the boat like six yeah we had the boat for like six months before we left yeah okay it isn't very long people plan these trips for years and years and years uh, yeah i would imagine given so many uh uh possibilities for things to go wrong if you're not having plan a b c d on a boat yeah that i can imagine there would be quite a long path of getting this thing set up but six months seems amazing i mean i only saved my own trip over six months I was like, that's what it took yeah. to do that. And that was all on land pretty much. Um, so every weekend, every like Christmas breaks, we were on the boat, we were out sailing. We were bringing it around into the bay. We never left the bay once we were in here, but mm-hmm. it's enormous and you can get some really nasty weather around in the yeah, bay anyway. Like boat, so. Every so often there's, a, there's <coughs> a fishing boat that gets upturned in the bay. And yeah, no, it happens. Those, that picks up. Over yeah. There. I suppose once you're outside of the bay, there's nothing but open water. 
Yeah, yeah it actually so. can be less frightening out at sea than it can be right. in closed areas. And people are really terrified of this idea of being out of sight of land. Yes. But in the middle yeah. of a bay, in the bay, <clears throat> on a day that's a bit hazy, you'll be out of sight of land in the middle of Port Phillip Bay. The same right. with Morton Bay, which is off Brisbane. The same with Harvey Bay, which is, you know, um, yeah, that they're so ma- such massive waterways. You're more likely to be inside of land cruising up the coast. Right, okay. Yeah. I, I've been scared of open water. Well, not scared, but, but somewhat wary of it. Open water <laughs> journeys for extended periods. I saw this Robert Redford film where he's like solo sailing around and then in the middle of the night a shipping crate hits his boat. And I'm traumatised from that. I would like to unsee that. <laughs> well, funny you should say that because when we are in Port Stephens, a shipping container lost 83 shipping containers just off Port Stephens. No. So, so there's floating, <laughs> floating landmines, basically. Semi, well, semi-submerged, actually. They actually float, can float just under the water. Now, most of them go to the bottom of the ocean because they just need a little bit of... Um, like the slightest air pocket air, you know, and they got crushed as they came off. Yeah, okay. Um, only one, I think, washed up. Heaps of rubbish washed up. Wow. <coughs> but yeah, we had to hide out in Port Stephens for a good week waiting for it to um, clear them. Then we made sure we'd left um, in daylight and Clara, actually, my parents took her up the coast. So. <laughs> right. We'll deposit the little one. They um, offered, they were like, yeah. we'll, we'll bring her to the next port for you. So That's quite scary. Were you quite worried about that? Um, yes and no. I mean, we joked that we were, as a steel boat, we were shipping. Oh, yeah, truth. <laughs> and, yeah. and There's no fiberglass there going yeah. on. Our boat also is quite slow, so it would hit something that's floating. But yes, and, and it's also though it is a reality for people sailing at all times. I mean, there was a concentration of them. Mm. Um, but yes, it, it's there's stuff in the water that you gotta there just, are objects just kind of gotta around. Do what you do in life, which is you you look at risk and you do what you can to mitigate it. Mm. But mm. it's better than not going. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> that's it. You can't you you go on this journey expecting that there will be parts of it that will have parts you will be uncomfortable with and mm. probably going to be outside of your comfort zone, but you just have to work out a way through those, I guess. Absolutely. So maybe um, uh, map out the actual journey that you took over this period. Sure. Okay, well, our plan was to go out the heads of Port Phillip and turn left, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah, so this um, is Australia, by the way, <laughs> if anyone's confused. And I'll, I'll upload maybe, I'll do a little dodgy Google map and yeah, yeah. put it up. Next I time. might be able to get you like a chart with all where we went that would be wonderful um but uh so we wanted to go from victoria melbourne victoria and we were thinking about an overseas going to new caledonia Mm -hmm. on the way or sort of sort of sail halfway up the coast past sydney probably to northern new south wales and then going out to new caledonia okay yeah but once we got out in the water and kind of we realized that we needed to be seven days at sea to new caledonia was not going to be a fun trip with our boat. Went yeah. too slow, rolled around a bit, child on board, just boring, scary, just had right. a lot of work to plan for. Um, so that's that's seven days where you just, be, there's no land for seven days and you're just going for it. Pretty much, co- yeah. yeah okay. You might see Lord Howe on the way. And I've, I've done that before. I've been from Melbourne to Vanuatu for a race. Yep. Um, with six, seven other very experienced sailors, including my husband. I remember you mentioned So, that. and it's actually, it's just, 
can be really it's really boring is there a lot of just like I was going to ask a lot of blue it's not that exciting to do it so and it's great when you get there but then you got to get back again I mean we flew back but if if we'd sailed out there and we got a bored kid or you know um and we're on rolling watch so you're only sort of sleeping for three hours at a time um it's yeah people who do it often get their kids flown over and stuff anyway we we went that's cool Australia's awesome Clara doesn't have a passport anyway so we um we just toddled right up the coast so we went through um and we had a lot of friends and family along the way my family are in Newcastle we spent two weeks in Sydney Harbour bouncing around oh, uh what are cur- called courtesy moorings they're uh free 24-hour boats parking spots basically right, so right. you can live in Sydney Harbour like bounce around for weeks and weeks just going wow, to different spots every day and they're big go- we're talking about like, these are pristine beaches sometimes oh, these moorings there's one off Taronga Zoo um they're oh, all over they're all <clears> in amazing <throat> spots most of the time you're looking at billion dollar houses because they're like you know so um what's the what's the refresh time so when can I park there and park there again? Well, technically it's 24 hours, but a lot of people just hang on. And if you can't get one, you just anchor. You can anchor almost anywhere. Okay. Um, oh, cool. <coughs> so Sydney's a highlight. We, we're in the Brisbane River for a week. Um, so you can park in the Brisbane River just off the Botanical Gardens. Um, oh, lovely. On what's called pile moorings. Um, yeah, so the cities were really cool. Like, I, you don't, don't really think of cruising as cities, but... Now, Townsville was really interesting. From such a different perspective, because you're actually on the water that winds its way through these cities. Yeah. Like gorgeous. And we were back in Sydney for my grandfather's funeral the other day, and it was like, we, it was near where we'd been parking the boat, but we've got this hire car, and Tim and I are like, really <laughs> weird being like here in a car and not on foot with your shopping trolley walking around yes. trying to get groceries and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so the trip went all the way up almost to Cairns. Yep. And we um it's a decent distance. At four and a half thousand nautical miles. Don't ask me what that is in kilometers. Lots. Can do the maths. Lots. Um, and that's all the in and outs of islands and you know, so the Whit Sundays and well, all of the Great Barrier Reef. People oh, think it's all man. like coral reef, but it's yeah. actually just most of it's just lots and lots and lots of islands. So um like an archipelago of <coughs> of landmass. Yeah, so once you get to sort of the keppels um you can you're pretty much just island hopping and hopping inland to reprovision at the bigger towns and then you go back out again so the most wilderness camping is actually in the in that so you sort of stock up for as long as you can 12 days fuel water make sure your gas is full and all that sort of thing yep. um coffee booze everything's on board mm-hmm. stock <laughs> up the, the new toys new puzzles new lego of course. um <laughs> and then you head out to the Whit Sundays and bounce around the Whit Sundays for two weeks or um, yeah, just and there's lots in between those places too. Like what you might know of the Whit Sundays is quite that is where the tourist boats go. Well yeah. there's a whole section above and below that which um, You just don't no one you can't access without the boat. Yeah, charter Man. boats aren't allowed in there. So it's just people, Paradise people, I'm yeah, hearing here. Absolutely brilliant and that's like that all the way and then there's magnetic island off townsville and there's um yeah so it just keeps dunk island all the old resorts that have um been deserted and dilapidated so there's this kind of it's a little bit pirate you know treasure hunting and getting coconuts and cracking them open and so it really was very gilligan's island kind of once you get into queensland but then still really interesting to 
um, be in a town like Townsville yes. for a few days. Yeah, and to break it up. I could see how if you were <coughs> on the ocean for extended periods with just the ocean, like you think about those poor bastards who came over on boats from, from England to Australia oh. on these never-ending cruises, aside from the conditions and things like that. Like, what do you do mentally for that time? Uh, avoid rats and try not to get beaten up. Oh, but yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what... Segway, what was, what was your daily routine? What, what did a day consist of on a boat? Um, it depends on whether we were underway, like moving or not. So it, uh, we wouldn't sort of anchor and then go the next day, anchor and go the next day. We would anchor for like two or three days in a spot. Oh, how um, nice. Or we might just... In Do some, some exploring. With Sundays, you might just move after lunch. Like you might motor somewhere for a couple of hours and just go to a different <laughs> spot, depending on the weather. Um, so yeah, a day, like a, one day... Um, that stands out was where we were going to go on shore, but we didn't. We just fished and played on the boat. It's a lovely day. Had a sleep, put the movie on for Clara. So they are sort of classic sort of relaxing days. We'd row ashore and we'd do, like I'd run the beach and then we'd do like training with an app because we were getting ah, unfit. Free weights sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, um, like the Nike training club app where you can cool. do it with no equipment. Yes. And Clara would just play in the beach and we'd snorkel and we'd do all that sort of stuff. And Sounds terrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so they were sort of anchor days and then um, beach, uh, like inshore days, we'd be like tourists, you know, where's the water park? Where's the, you know, we'd do lots of, go to Salvos and buy secondhand books and clothes and we'd Man. eat at the RSL and we'd find the local oyster farmer and, you know, you'd just explore like you would any town if you were just drove into it on holidays. So yeah. we got that, yeah, that sort of on land and Great the stuff was just as fun as this really isolated stuff. Yeah, yeah. so you're getting to explore, you know, parts of Australia <laughs> land that you wouldn't usually have. I guess it's almost like a like a trip of doing up a van or something like that, but the added bonus of being based on the water when you want to be absolutely it's like an awesome combination. Yeah, and then you're in your you're in your house all the time. You're not in yes. you know unpacking. You're like you just all that crap. Yeah. I hate unpacking, yeah, repacking, trying to make yeah. sure you've got the right weight of the bag and your flights. All that's out the window. And it was it's funny, like, seeing friends along the way and they're like, oh, do you want to come and sleep at our house? And we're like, no, no, no we're good. House. It's, like, got nice linen and comfy pillows and, you know, it's a smaller bed than we'd normally have. But it's, Cozy. Like, it's home. It's, like, it's easy. So, yeah. Okay. And so to keep, to keep mentally active and physically active, you've got the apps. Yeah. You can go on land when you need to. I've read a lot. Yeah, a lot of time to catch up on books. I've read 50 books in 10 months. Whoa. And that's with looking after a five-year-old as well. So Tim did most of the sailing. Oh. So I was, yeah, most of the cooking and mum stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, 50 yeah. books. When in your life would you get to bang out 50 books? When you don't have a television. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no TV. Okay. Yeah, we started watching series towards the end, like on DVD, because we were just... Just needed to blob out for a bit, you know. But, yeah, it's... 50 books. A lot of them about wow. sailing, like I read really interesting stuff about Napoleonic Wars and William Bly and mm. I'd go down rabbit holes and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I guess it's funny how that happens. Like it, it's all kind of contextual where your interests go a lot of the time when you're traveling. So like if I, when yeah. I was in Thailand, I was like, okay, I'd like to understand better about this place and read about this book about Thailand. And then, as you said, like a rabbit hole takes you down to other things. Yeah. And they're things that you wouldn't have even considered probably reading in your everyday life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you just, and 
Go on, go please. Okay, so uh, the next question was, so toughest situations during the journey. Now you mentioned <laughs> cargo ship falling over and floating cargo uh, as a possible something that could bang into your boat and sink you Robert Redford style. Yep. Uh, what, what else was challenging? I, I, you've, got, you've got your daughter on the boat as well. There's safety issues. You know, you're surrounded by water. Yeah, any, any kind of background yeah, on that? Yeah, there's a few and, like and that. how you managed it, how you kind of managed these things. Well, when it came to storms and bad weather, we were incredibly conservative. Uh, we're probably, if we, and a lot of the time, Clara wasn't on board for about eight weeks. She was with grandparents, like, who would come to visit us and stuff. So okay, we did cool. some bigger trips and while well, she was... Um, off the boat and also uh, we would sail at night a lot so that she would be asleep so at least we didn't have to worry about her you know wanting a, something in the middle of a situation where we both needed to be on deck <laughs> invariably every time we would dock in the marina which is a like time when most accidents happen on boats so like you know docking and anchoring and you're stopping right. basically silly little um, things yeah or just you know by gust of wind and yeah right or Long someone wind. jumps off to tie a line on and they get stumble and whack and a leg stuff. Like, oh, yeah like my husband fell off the boat onto the uh, dock the other day and really hurt himself and uh, that was, oh you mentioned that he had a, had an injury recently yeah, that's how so, he did it and that was after we got back but you know so it's just that you're jumping over things anyway moving platforms we did what we could to mitigate risk we sailed very conservatively we had a paid weather service so we Good. had a lot of data to work with and we sort of had like veto rules so i, I would be like i'm not comfortable with this trip He'd, we'd be like cool we'll stay another day um so we that was sort of how we mitigated risk so we never actually hit a storm or weather that was really really scary i think the scariest moment was when we um, first went out into Bass Strait and went around the bottom of Victoria, those sort of big trips out, there's not a lot of places to stop between mm. Melbourne and lower New South Wales, even. Just like huge cliffs and stuff like this, or is it... Oh, there's just no, like, there's no towns that you can right. get into. And I can only imagine there's rock formations under the water and all sorts of well, stuff. Well, we're but... much deep, in much deeper water for that, but it was mm. more that you you had to, once you decided to go, you were sort of committed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh, I've had enough. Okay, so you yeah. get, you're going to do the, the journey. Whereas in the Wheat Sundays with lots of islands, you go, oh, we'll just pull around in behind this island. Get some shelter, easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bastrade is notoriously renowned for absolutely. a crazy body of water. Oh, yeah. Windy, big swells. Very unpredictable. The spirit of Tasmania sucks. Like yeah. that, that is a huge ferry and that is like this. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that was the thing. So we got out and was just, the boat was rolling all over the place. We didn't really know how to, what it sailed like in normal, in sort of big swells. We had a very yucky seaways a lot of the time the most discomfort on the boat didn't come from wind or weather it came from the what the waves were doing so you, right. you get a real washing machine effect and um and we were worried clara was a little bit seasick and sure. i was just we didn't you know you stow stuff but like we had never been in this kind of thing so stuff's falling off the walls and <laughs> it's yeah, like okay. trying to like um 
and and just going what have we done <laughs> kind yeah, of thing yeah we're like oh we're in this we're, and we're like talking 36 hour sales <laughs> so we had two of these big ones that were like oh, what have we, especially from refuge cove the very bottom point of victoria um in like to lake entrance which is halfway between so halfway up the victorian coast um yeah we, that was a particularly brutal wake-up call on what we'd signed up for and the reality is is that new south wales coast queensland way easier lots of places to pull in much more mm-hmm. predictable current and wind and and plus some familiarity with that coastline for me especially um yeah just it got easier and easier as we went up and by the time we got back and did the reverse we had um clara actually wasn't on from sydney to melbourne so but tim and i sailed from bermagui so lower new south wales to melbourne in four days straight Right, and it was okay. great. We had a great Got time. Got your sea legs because we, yeah, what the boat had to do. We, um, mm. you know, we could just get on with it. We, we just, yeah, was complete the complete opposite of the experience on the way up because then yeah. we just were such better sailors. Yeah, you tackled it really early. Yeah, the, the more challenging leg of the journey. Yeah, when we had no choice, like we had to get the boat out of Melbourne and up to the areas that we wanted to visit. Like yeah. you've got, you've got to get it out there. So. Um, yeah, so that was probably a big challenge. The other challenge was that we had the boat out of the water and had it repaired in Newcastle. Wow. Um, it was leaking, basically. <laughs> leaking tub. <laughs> we knew it was leaking, but it was leaking and needed to be fixed. Yeah. Not, it wasn't sinking, it was just leaking. It's not okay. Sinking. <laughs> you, you don't want to let it get to the sinking stage, no, I No, but the, our automatic bilge pump, the pump that pumps water out of the bottom of the boat, was going off, like... So it was w- working, not constantly, right. but regularly, and it shouldn't really do that. It's fairly disconcerting. Okay. <laughs> You'd hear it go. Right, um, okay. So we pulled the boat out of the water in Newcastle and got that fixed. Now, the scary thing about that is because it's an old steel boat, they couldn't tell us any estimate on what that was going to cost or how long it was going to take. Whoa. <laughs> so we're like, what if it's what we paid for the boat? Yeah, $50,000 standard and you know they tried to give us and, and even just to get the propeller shaft out of the boat they thought that would take a morning it took two days the prop shaft we had to have a whole new one made out of sydney i've got oh, a mate who works in sydney who lives near newcastle and he was picking it up in his lunch break and it was just this really really stressful stressful period and of course we had we weren't living on the boat at the time so we're living oh. with my family and it's like it was just yeah just a really and we're like just want to go back yeah, yeah, you knew as soon as you could get back on it, you'd leave all that behind. Anyway, the boat doesn't leak anymore. Great, so. good, good news. And then the rest of the trip, we and we had lots of little things go wrong after that. It but no, it's also like no major catastrophes or anything no. life-threatening, touch wood, no. which is, it's a, a wonderful minor outcome. injuries, minor medical staff. Um, uh, I had a first aid kit that was... Um, I went to the chemist and I bought everything you could buy over the mm. counter, basically. Sounds like me. <laughs> so my first aid kit's this big and my backpack's that big. <laughs> well, the first aid kit was as big as your backpack. Oh, I just wow. had everything. So, yeah, you used you know, that stuff. And I think, yeah, so any sort of niggle things that, you know, were, yeah. From jellyfish to rope burn to everything, oh, tummies. You know, to yeah, yeah. All covered. It pays to I even plan had convention, I was worried about I was getting worms, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, you never like know. Never had last treatment, you know, <laughs> when it was on the boat. <laughs> it's funny, I think we probably. This level of, of planning definitely has to do with our professional backgrounds. Because, yeah, my last trip, 
like yeah I, would, I think people would look at what i packed and be like that was over the top i used almost everything i packed well, but that's yeah. what you want you want a first aid kit that's not touched I yeah, mean, you use yeah, it, but yeah. something's gone wrong. Best but case scenario. If you, if you don't have it in there, you, that's the one thing you'll need. That is always the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you mentioned, so financially, you didn't have to worry too much. You'd come into a little bit of money, so that was good. You were pretty much okay. You didn't have to work through the trip? No, and I, you couldn't have done that with a child on board. In fact, even yeah. without a child on board, I, like when we were, it was just Tim and I, like we'd be doing overnight sales and stuff, and you're just exhausted and day yeah so yeah and plus you want to enjoy it like why do you want to think about work in the middle of the other problem too is like we had sometimes with like three four days in a row with no data so if you're doing anything if you're writing a novel you'd be fine no we didn't have a sat phone um but you can't um and that would be exorbitantly expensive Mm. to be doing email and stuff oh satellite internet yeah Yeah, crazy 3G at best in a lot of places, and okay. Tim had like climbing mountains holding mobile phones up just to get the weather. Mm. Um, and they're the places that are loveliest to hang out in, of course, because they're really yeah. isolated. Of course. That's interesting because <coughs> it's kind of like the, um, the difference between traveling as a digital nomad on the land is you can pretty much pick, plan out your paths or your locations to be constantly supported by awesome internet. So all of Southeast Asia, pretty much. Uh, That's cool. Indonesia, not so much, but um, all of Europe, pretty and much. Wi-Fi, you know, whereas there's no Wi-Fi out there. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's not really a working trip that one. And look, people do. We met people who were liverboards who did bookkeeping remotely, and people who did FIFO work, okay. um, and things like that. But um, they were trying to make it last <coughs> as long as possible. Whereas we had this finite time. We were like. It actually was a very economical way to travel because you got a floating hotel room. Yeah, that's no, the big one, isn't it? Marinas cost, on average, say $60 a night, but we'd go into a marina for two nights. We'd get there early in the morning, the first morning, and we'd leave late in the afternoon. So we'd get right. three for the price of two. We would leg it around the town getting provisions and doing museums and all that stuff. And then we'd be out for another 10 days Yes, with, with overheads being absolutely minimal groceries. Yeah, just basically the stuff we would have had to pay for anyway. Yeah. A lot less eating out, Melbourne lifestyle, no did need this, to go shopping boat, did, clothes. Did it have an engine? Yes. Yeah. So our engine was is Schooner. very old. It's fifty. It's The engine's older than the boat. It's actually a 53-year-old engine. Uh, they make them but, like that anymore, I'm sure. <laughs> but but everything repairable, everything can be hand fixed. Uh, we pretty much had, we only had a small problem with our engine, we were able to fix ourselves. But um, it yeah, it runs on the smell of an oily rag. And because you're yeah. sailing, even if you're motor sailing, you're getting assistance from the wind and you're getting assistance yes. from current. Uh, so the AEC that runs down the Australian coast yep. would give you one to two knots of extra speed at times. You'd just be oh, flying cool. along. Zipping, be like, zipping along in the tub. Well, you know, like you're talking about 10Ks an hour. Yeah, <laughs> 20Ks an hour instead of 10Ks an hour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and because we weren't in a real hurry, you know, like it wasn't that we all... Like, like if we'd, we'd go when we'd have wind that would assist and ideally we're just sailing, we're not motoring because it's much nicer. Mm. Um, yeah, so... The, it, and we had... We, I think we changed gas canisters, like, for our stove, mm-hmm. like, three times. 
Like it was just. Jeez, that's pretty good, isn't so, it? So so crazy. Little single burner, is it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. No. A proper three, stove. Prop, oh, not a proper stove, but it was a three burner oven grill. That's deluxe. Um, there's nothing I couldn't cook on the boat that I cook at home. Yeah. And a microwave as well when we're on ah, shore power. Um, yeah. So the um, yeah, the actual running costs of the boat were pretty minimal. Man, my mind is ticking over here. Like I'm looking at vans to do up a van yep. and be able to work from it part time, but also see a little bit of the Australian coast because I really haven't seen enough of Australia. Yeah. And I kind of need to. I'm in a bit of a rebuilding phase right after 30 months of travel, and it's going to cost you know for a decent secondhand uh, van before you do it up. Yeah. You're talking the best part of 20 grand, and then you're probably going to drop minimum five to to renovate it to put the bed in and all that sort That's of stuff. Right. And by van, I mean like a cargo van, like yeah, a, yeah, right. like to say a Volkswagen transporter and do everything from scratch inside. So at the end of the day, you probably end up with like $25,000. Boat, $50,000. Well, and, and you can, there's places I'm sure you can park a van without paying, but you're probably mm. breaking the law. Yeah, I'd Whereas, say you would be. I don't want people like, you know, you don't want these ones yeah, happening yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're trying to stealth van in somebody's like backyard. Yeah, and, like it must be very anxiety ridden to just park illegally in I vans. think so. For an extended period. We can park, like we use marinas, but a lot of people would just anchor off somewhere like Airly Beach, row ashore, run to the shops. Who cares? Do it all by dinky. Yeah. We would do that sometimes, but um, so you could literally go to Cairns and back, and if you planned it very carefully, never pay for a marina even. Yeah, this is this is. Uh, I've got a lot to consider here because I can't like my current boss would not be pleased with this plan. Uh, yeah, so I think our, probably our expenses, monthly expenses, would be no different to Melbourne living in Melbourne. Okay, wow, that's that's cool. Mm. Uh, so how would you? This is kind of like the post fight interview section that I call one of the post fight interviews. This is like <laughs> finishing up doing epic stuff cool. overlay. Um, so how do you feel the journey has changed you? Physically, emotionally, mentally, your outlook on things in any yeah. way. I think it's ta- well, it's taught me a lot about my relationship with risk. And mm. oh, that's um, cool. Good answer. Yeah, I think I know that I'm. Uh, yeah, that I'm quite reconciled with the risks that we took and how we re- uh, how we came to terms with those and didn't let it become a constant fear. There was definitely fear mm-hmm. involved, but how to compartmentalise it. Or re- yeah, like I say, reconcile it and then mm-hmm. just go, we've done our best, we've just got to get on with it. And there's a, um, uh, the saying, this too shall pass, which is actually about good and bad things. Um, you know, sitting on anchor in beautiful sunset, drinking a cocktail, like this too shall pass, as it has. Uh, but when you are stuck in Bastrate and the boat's rolling all over the place and that you can't go back, you can only go forward, the weather is the weather, the boat is the boat, and in that sort of um, equilibrium of just waiting, that if you mm. just wait, things will change and the things are outside of your control. This they too will, shall pass. This too shall pass. So, yeah, I like um, this. I like it. it. it and ha- I've only just started working again, but there's sort of been stressful things and I'm like, this is outside of my control and I need to just let it happen. I just mm. need to let it wait, just wait and, and change will happen. So that's that I really hope I can hang on to that feeling because so <laughs> it's a really good takeaway. You've taken it like such a big insight like <coughs> that has 
potential value to all aspects of your life. You've already seen immediate application in a mm. business context. Absolutely. And that's why I love about people doing epic stuff. Like that that sort of stuff, you can't get it any other way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, and you've already been able to apply it. And I like I like it because it's a simple kind of phrase, this two should pass. And it's true. I didn't say it. it's a, I think it's a Asian Someone's already always thing. said something that we've said before. <laughs> like I'm, I'm of the understanding at this point that someone has already said doing epic stuff a billion times. There is no originality. Might but... have been Confucius or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I really maybe need Confucius. to look that up. But I like I it. Had a, I, like I had it. a girlfriend, I worked, a friend I worked with, and her, she had one that just said, this too shall fucking pass, which yeah. I think is <laughs> And I actually really like that because, you know, when you're, when you're not feeling it, when things suck, you know, they feel like it's the most sucky, horrible thing in the world. But the reality is, it is, generally speaking, it will disappear. And on the other side, you know that you can look back and be like, sweet, in some way, this has kind of strengthened me. Or, yeah. or given me stronger resolve. And your ability to be more um, at peace with risk, more comfortable with risk. And who couldn't benefit from that? That's oh, especially when you're in your new business. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, that's a, a huge attribute. So yeah. That's cool. Um, what would you change about the, the journey you took if you would change anything? Are you pretty happy with how it went? I would put a composting toilet in. <laughs> oh, God. You have no idea how much you spent time you spent thinking about your toilet on a boat. Yeah. So we had a, a marine toilet with a holding tank and then we'd empty that What's at that sea. Grey water, is it? Like black water. Black water. Grey water is water that you wash your hands and clothes Right. In. This is proper sewerage. Sewerage tank. In a okay. tank in the boat and we had problems with our toilet um it had uh which we fixed we had but we had to basically dis dismantle the toilet and clean all the pipes which is really really Ooh, disgusting brutal and then um now we're back in shore we can't empty the holding tank in the bay so we have to sort of take it oh. to a pump out and pump out all the sewage it's just another then that's how tim hurt himself because we've just taken the boat around the corner to use oh, the pump man. out so it's just so another docking so, so there's different legal implications being in a bay with waste absolutely, from a boat. Yeah, you don't okay. want to be out there local swimming in plant all the life, local yeah. sewage. Yeah, of course. Um, and but at sea, they figure oh, drop in the ocean. Should be right. Yeah, uh, and you have to be a certain miles offshore any to do it. And but yeah, so but a composting toilet, they people think it will smell. It doesn't smell worse than a marine toilet. And uh, you can you just basically put peat in it or coconut okay. husk. You last a month and then you just bury it on shore or you just right. put it in a bin. Um, and it just means you're not dealing with that. This constant so awareness of when are we going to have to sort that out? It's a huge hassle. And you're not carrying like well you are I guess carrying the sewage in a way in the boat, but in a way that's compact and yeah. I would yeah. have loved the composting. Compartmentalized. <laughs> Man, they're just, just more trouble than they're worth marine toilets like. yeah yeah it sounds yeah. it yeah but aside from that great journey no oh. no real negatives no absolutely better everything we i hoped for and more really like, and if i was someone let's say i'm in a similar um i guess uh maybe skills wise like to yourself so mm -hmm. you had done a little bit of sailing but wouldn't consider yourself a pro sailor uh, or maybe someone who hasn't sailed before and they're thinking, wow, this is this sounds amazing. Like, this is for me. I want to do that. Any advice for them in terms of, of 
going on this journey? Is there something they should do beforehand, some classes they should take? Yeah, so there's a lot of, like I did courses because I came to it later in life. I started in my 20s. So there's a Royal Yachting Academy courses you can do right up to ones called, um, I did Day Skipper, but you can do ones called Yacht Master, like, which are lots of offshore time, lots of stuff, engine sales, like, yeah, basically... I would highly recommend those if you're sort of starting from nothing and even if you're not. Okay. Um, Upskill a little bit. Yeah, lots of, and lots of trials. Like we've, I've done deliveries, I've done um, ocean races, I've done things out there that as the most junior person on board and not in charge. Right. I've never been in charge of a boat. You're um, a rookie almost, like they just <coughs> go along for the journey, you observe, you take things in. And Make you sure get... you don't get seasick. Like, <laughs> But we met this lovely couple while we were away uh, who um, they didn't start until they retired and they were doing the same trip we were. So they just, you know, and they got some and they got some help in. They got people to teach them how to sail their boat better. Um, and they just uh, read a lot and watched a lot of movies, of, um, documentaries, and they just, you know, made it, it, made it, like, fast-track themselves. I mean, as did we. You know, we, we had a lot to learn because we'd done a lot of racing, but, like, my husband didn't really know how to anchor because he... Or, and docking, he had that a lot of... That wasn't part of his Because we don't, we don't own a race boat. He goes on crazy, other, other people's race boats and they do all that stuff. So, yeah, okay. um, yeah, so there was... There's still, like, oh, there's so many different types of sailing and aspects to sailing and every boat's different. Um, yeah, so there's... But upskill it's definitely it's definitely it's a, it's open and it's, it's very unregulated as well so it still feels no a bit that way it's one of the last frontiers where there is you know australia is so regulated now anything on land is crazy like kids play equipment is is crap now yep. there's nothing to do here, like that's unsafe in australia <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you get on the water it's kind of the good old days again i know like they wouldn't let me take our baby home from the hospital without um, approved an approved thing that we'd fitted a car seat, but I could take her out the heads. <laughs> I could have taken her wow. in that car seat to the yacht club and put her on a yacht and sailed to Vanuatu. No one would be able to say anything. So, um, yeah, get but in quick. It's, get the, out wi- of the, it's water. the wild west out there. It is. Just, I love it. That's there's great. Very few sheriffs in town. Like the water yes. police are just. Yeah. Were you worried about that? Like pirates? Not in Australia, no. no. But it is a real concern in Asia. People who sail in Asia. Mm. Yeah, I've heard of people carrying guns and stuff. Which I think I would be carrying a gun if I was going to a global trip. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, something to think about. Zoe, that's awesome. <laughs> what a cool, cool journey. I loved it. <laughs> Thanks and, for having uh, me. I'm inspired. I think at some point I'll get on the boat. I, when you posted your ad, I was like, ooh. <laughs> <Check>. <laughs> Maybe. Welcome to ING. <laughs> uh, a little bit short. But uh, yeah, no, that's cool. And I'll post the link to your boat. So who knows by the time I put this out, if it's still uh, on the market. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you, Zoe. Let's go eat some Japanese food. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. For the latest Doing Epic Stuff news and happenings, you can catch us on facebook.com slash doingepicstuff. And for inquiries, you can email me on mike at doingepicstuff.com.